from one dipstick in Georgia to another dipstick in Texas. Welcome to Two Dipsticks Garage with the Chance Brothers. All right, so Stephen just told us that he got a Buick Encore. I went ahead and refreshed my beverage of choice here, which would be a Fireman's 4, brewed and uh, done right here just down the road from me in the hill country of Texas. I have found out, so summer 2023, there's been a lot of laugh about Bud Light. I have found that Coors Light does not agree with me, and Modelo I like, but Modelo Light is horrible. It's horrible. So, Fireman's 4. Uh, Just a nice blonde beer and perfect for when you're sitting down and having a conversation. So the Buick Encore is the replacement for your paperweight that you didn't tell your wife about and you saw the old car Bruce 2012 Malibu sitting in the back lot tugging at your heartstrings. The Buick Encore. Tell us about that. Yeah. um, So... (laughs) these are such great experiences and it's so fun to relive them this way uh (laughs) we had purchased that car and this was uh i believe it was a friday when we purchased it and the next day if i do remember this properly was when we were having a cabin trip coming up we were actually heading up to the blue ridge mountains in north georgia with my old roommates from college and uh we had a new car so let's take the new car up there of course of course and uh so for a little bit of information of this car it's it was a it's an all-wheel drive vehicle you have the choice of course of front wheel drive or all-wheel drive this happened to have all-wheel drive honestly didn't care because it was a it was a car that we were purchasing there so if it had all-wheel drive, totally fine. Uh, driving around in Georgia doesn't quite matter the uh, what wheels are driven. So, uh, and it also, the for the power plant, it has a 1.4 liter turbo. Um, and I was thought, hey, that's fun. A little yeah. turb ski, that's, hey, that's fun on a little compact SUV. Why not? Yeah, turbos are uh, great. Yeah. Um, so we were, so we were driving up there and we, we had gotten to basically the foothills of the Appalachians and then we start ascending a little bit and we, I have it on cruise because I'm really just, it's late at night. I don't really care. Got it on cruise and all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, a check engine light pops up. (laughs) The good news is you're further than five five minutes from the dealership, so it's made it down the road at least. That's progress compared to the other one. However, <laughs> nobody wants a check engine light right after they purchase a vehicle. No. And uh, yeah, so no sooner did the check engine light come on, did all of a sudden the RPMs, we were cruising, I mean, at like 2,200 RPMs, something like that, 70 miles an hour. All of a sudden, the the RPMs, it, this thing drops a gear or three, and they snap, and we're just about redlining. I'm like, what the? What just happened? And it almost feels as if the turbo just went bye-bye, like just completely disappeared, and this is all just on 
the standard block trying to make as much power as possible. And keep in mind, this 1.4 turbo, I think on its best day, makes around 140 horsepower. Okay. And so you cut that, you cut the turbo out. I don't even know what you're pushing. 100? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> this tiny little all-wheel drive car that's all of a sudden now can't get up a mountain. So that happens. And of course, my wife, who was dozing off in the passenger seat, is now snapped awake. And she's like, what did you do? And I was like, I don't know what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I had it on cruise after I do what's going on. And so, obviously, I take it out of cruise at this point and then just try and, you know, move the pedal around to see if I can get this thing to calm down. Uh, and if, if I get it to upshift, it lasts a second because now we're going, you know, we were going 70 miles an hour and all of a sudden we're going 50 because this thing can't get up a hill anymore. <laughs> so, again, now we arrive somewhere. It's late at night. I don't have a code reader because it's a new car. You shouldn't have one because you're on vacation. And um, so the next morning we get up and we start, I think we take other people's cars because they have rental. Some folks have rental cars or their own other cars that they took. And um, and then I ended up on one of the errands that we were going on. I was like, hey, do you mind if we just swing by AutoZone real quick? Let me just pick up a code reader. <clears throat> nothing i don't need it for anything really and uh so we we pick it up bring it back and read the code and i forget what the the number was i i should look up what the picture is but basically it's an under boost condition for the turbocharger um and whenever it experiences any form of under boost um the i guess in this in the computer system it just cuts supply to the turbo and just deactivates it essentially i guess to protect i don't know the engine i don't really know exactly why it does it um so what i ended up doing i just i actually cleared the code with the code reader that it had and then we drove it around and everything actually seemed fine and it act and it got us back home on a two-hour car ride with no problems and i thought well that was a strange fluke for this to come up and then go away and you know never reared its head really again until she was taking it to work um, a couple days later, check engine light pops back up. She brings it home, tells me that the check engine light came on and the same thing happened. RPM snap all the way up because, of course, now it's trying to compensate and run the code reader. And sure enough, it's the same code. And now become the hot sweats again. <laughs> <laughs> Frantic so, Google searching. Yeah. Let's recap for... Uh... <laughs> For those who may be like us and, and know what a turbo is, but don't quite fully understand how it works. Imagine a tiny little fan that blows air into the engine. If you can get more air in there, you can get more gas in there. If you can get more gas in there, you can get more, more combustion and thus more power. Now, the way how it gets more air is the turbo takes the exhaust uh, air from the exhaust and reroutes it back into the intake and gives your engine more power. So what, it, what Steven's experiencing here is the computer says, this isn't working. Let's shut it off. And so now he's not getting that extra air to give him the extra power. And the engine's like, well, crap, I need to maintain 70 miles an hour, kicks up the RPMs <laughs> and the angry little chipmunks in there is making noise. <laughs> so you've you've got this yeah. 
check engine light that won't go away. The code reader says, all right, you're turbo screwed. And you're going, mother of mercy, what mm. in the world is happening? Yes. Uh, and so we're, we're trying, I'm trying to research as many articles as I can. I really don't want to take it back to that Chevy dealer that I took the Chevy Volt to. Takes two days for them to look at it. And so there was a local shop near us with really good ratings. And I call, I, I showed up one day there with the vehicle um, and was planning to drop it off. And they t told me that uh, they were so booked up they couldn't see me, I think, for like two weeks. Well, your luck just keeps getting better, doesn't it? <laughs> better and better. <laughs> so... <laughs> And uh, at that time, uh, the check engine light was not on, so she drove it for the next week, and I said, whenever the check engine light on comes on, tell me, and, you know, I won't clear it, we'll keep it on, because mm -hmm. the dealer wanted to see it, or the, the shop wanted to see it with the check engine light on. Sure. So, um, she, I think she was working, gosh, I want to say three days that week. First day, she takes it to work. Check engine light comes on. We say, good deal. Wonderful. Um, this is great. We can take it to the dealer in this condition. Condition. Uh, second day of work, she takes it to work. Um, and on her way back home, the check engine light clears. By so itself. I guess it's have, by itself. So I guess it's had enough cycles of whatever that it feels fine with how it, it's running. And it would like to go ahead and reactivate the turbo. Everything seems fine. <laughs> Oh, you're going to take me to the shop? Just kidding. Everything's <laughs> fine. It's going to work fine. Don't, Don't worry Don't take me there. It. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so she drove it for the rest of that week. No check engine light. She drove it the whole next week. No check engine light. We have an appointment with the, the, the shop, so we take it there with no check engine light. They're like, hey, sorry, we can't get it to come on. And even on my way to take it there, I was flooring it. I was doing manual mode, dropping gears, going as low as I could, just bragging this thing out. And the check engine like would not come on. It knew. <laughs> it knew exactly what I was trying to do, which was get a working car. And it decided <laughs> against it. <clears throat> so anyway. I, <laughs> I could just see you. Come on. <laughs> come on. Give me the check engine light. I'm yelling inside this tiny little nugget of a car. This grown man yelling at this tiny little car. Give me a call. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I know I've, I've been that frustrated before. I empathize with your pain. Please continue. <laughs> so we, we try to get it to act up again. Of course it won't. So I say, you know what? Fine. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe I'll, maybe it's fine. Maybe it'll go away or maybe it's a couple other things. So a couple other things went through my mind of what if it's this little wastegate actuator? Maybe there's something that's going on, but all of a sudden it makes its boost. Then it upshifts into a, into a, ge a higher gear and no longer needs that boost. And it's having trouble getting rid of it. And then it says, Oh no, I don't like this. I'm going to turn off. That was my thought. Um, and so it was actually a really easy part to replace. I ordered that from the the, the Chevy dealer right up the road. Um, so I got that part and installed it. It took me all of like ten minutes. It was a really easy fix. But when I when I 
had the old one off, it felt like it was working just fine. But then on a on a video that I had seen, you can actually see if the turbo is working properly. There's this little like swing arm thing that was connected to this wastegate actuator. Um, and they say if this arm is kind of stiff or squeaky, then there's something going on with the turbo's lubrication to where it's not getting properly lubricated with oil. Mm-hmm. So turbos need many oils to work properly. Um, so the oil feed from the engine, of course, is crucial. Um, and if they're not getting the proper oil or lubrication, then they'll start getting a little squeaky. And then you could potentially run into, because a lot of these housings are metal, you could run into potentially rust, um, other forms of corrosion, I guess, in there. And sure enough, I, t- I swung this little arm and it goes, <laughs> as I'm moving it. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I was supposed to hear that. <laughs> So I button it back up, put it all back together with the new wastegate actuator on it, and I tell her, of course, drive it like normal. Let me know if the check engine light comes on. Sure enough, a couple of days later, the dang thing comes back on. And now I'm really diving into the research behind this, and I'm starting to discover new threads online with regards to this 1.4 liter turbo. And what people are discovering is, very unfortunately, there is an engineering flaw with this engine to where the lubrication system for the turbocharger does not allow proper oil flow into that system. Now here's why this is important. We have these little turbos that are pushing air into the engine. That is the forced induction. The little fan in there is spinning at a tremendous rate. We see RPMs on cars. If you've got a a diesel, you know, you might redline at like 3,500 RPMs. If you've got a V8, maybe 5,000, 6,000 RPMs. If you've got a little four-cylinder, you could probably get up at like 8,000 RPMs. A turbo will spin around 20,000 RPMs. So lubrication is crucial when you've got metal parts pushing uh, uh, against each other in order to get this spinning. The oil is absolutely critical. And in Stephen's case, it wasn't sufficient, and now it's starting to give him issues. Right. And from everything that I had been researching, it's a systemic issue on these 1.4 liter turbos. And these engines were used on a few vehicles. So the Buick Encore is one recipient of this lovely engine. Um, The Chevy Cruze is another one. Uh, and I believe the Chevy Trax, which is essentially the Buick Encore, just in Chevy clothing, uses the same engine. Um, so it's this 1.4 liter. So the, the generation, I think, goes from around 2016 up to 2019 or so, where they were using this this displacement engine. From what I've been discovering, um, this issue not only will impact the turbocharger, but because the turbo ends up getting starved of oil and failing, the engines therefore work much harder when this happens, and the engines run into premature failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, 
basically what what we're saying here is is in uh, there's a there's a YouTube channel that I watch. Uh, it's called the Car Wizard. He's a guy who's based in uh, Kansas, and he he has I don't know something like thirty years of experience in these. Yeah, he is so good. He's got this long red beard. He's absolutely <laughs> bald, and he talks real dry and soft <laughs> like this. Now, if you've got a a Buick Encore and you don't know about a turbo, well, <laughs> you should know. <laughs> yes. Uh, and he was saying he was ripping these engines a new one, and I, and it had just come out, like, when I was watching this video. I think it was only four months old. So if it's a pretty new discovery, even I think for him and for what everybody's been talking about. So the the unfortunate thing with these engines, if it's it's not an if, it's a win. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that you can do from a preventative maintenance standpoint besides changing oil religiously, uh, which you can't always guarantee a previous owner will. Even, even if you do that, you may stall this issue for, you may push it off by 20,000 miles or so. But what ultimately ends up happening is the engines end up failing. Um, the car wizard was even saying he's he's got uh, a list of dealers that he's been calling in his areas, and he's hearing these dealers won't even get these engines in until 2024. Mm. And here we are halfway through 2023, and there could be a customer with a car with a kaput engine who has to wait over six months, very likely, to get a new engine for this car when we all know that it's going to happen again. Oof. And it's not like you can just pull something off and spray WD-40 into this. That would uh, take out your engine completely as well. Yeah. Um, And so with the turbo repeatedly failing on this car, with this new knowledge, um, I I was occasionally driving the car. And again, this is my wife's car. She was taking it to work. She didn't really report much of what was going on, but I, I drove it one day in town and then i took it on the interstate and two things were happening that very much concerned me um one was at idle uh which is you're just sitting at a red light after the vehicle's been running for a little while so it's warmed up um i was watching the rpms dance around now they can flutter a little bit which is fine to a point but this car i think with the standard idle was probably 6 to 700 rpm mhm but it was going from 700 RPM to 1100 to 200 <laughs> to 700 to 1100 back down to 200. And it was, it kept bogging. Like it just, it kept dipping down. It kept going back up. And I thought, oh, is this, is this car going to die on me at the light? I, I wasn't sure if it was, if it was uh, going to be continue running or not, but sure enough, it, it took off and drove just fine. And almost every red light that I sat at, I experienced this issue, which, scared the crap out of me and then the second thing that i was starting to observe was um on the interstate when we were cruising around i don't know mid 70s mile per hour so 75 we could call it the um the way the transmission is geared we were at around 2200 rpm and the engine uh would flutter even at that speed so you would actually see you were at like 2200 RPMs and it would start bogging itself down. Same pedal pressure 
but you would see it bogging itself down and then jumping back up between 2200, 2500, 2000 RPM hmm. randomly. Hmm. But if you went faster than that, the issue wasn't there. If you went slower than that, the issue wasn't there. It was like the sweet spot of this load at 2200 RPM. So again, another red flag of this is scaring the daylights out of me. I don't think I can continue having my wife drive to work, which by the by the way, her commute is 57 miles each way, two or three times a week. Which if you were out in the country of Texas, not such a big deal. But when you're doing the Atlanta 500, <laughs> it's a big deal. If you're doing 75 down 400 on, in Atlanta, you're getting past. Mm-hmm. Not not like they're overtaking you, but like you might want to secure your doors because you are getting past. And a, and a fun feature this car had, which came, uh, we bought it like this. It had to have been a wheel balance issue. But if you started to go 83 miles an hour exactly, the entire car would vibrate and shake violently <laughs> to where you would need to crest over 83 which was a death sentence for this tiny little thing, or stay below it. But it, it became quite scary precisely at 83 miles an hour. <laughs> what a fantastic piece of machinery. So by, by this time, you've had the car for a few weeks. It's given you codes. It's bogging. It's telling you that at 83, it's probably just going to fall apart. Where do you go from there? Yeah, so now we're now we're in a tough situation because now I've told my wife that the replacement car for the replacement car <laughs> is a bad car. <laughs> so uh I don't really know how to broach the subject. I I think when I'm when I'm thinking of this, I'm just trying to give it a little bit of time. She's telling me that she feels comfortable with the car, even though I've got red flag after red flag. But she then runs into a few of these issues on her own. And she experiences them with enough uh, frequency that she then becomes in the camp that I'm in, which is, yeah, I can't keep driving this thing. This is awful. So um, at this point now, so we had we had bought that we had gotten that Buick in October of 2022 now here we are it's may into june mm -hmm. uh, of 2023 so you've so, been putting up with this for seven months at this point you're every yeah. day you're wondering is your wife gonna make it to work she's gonna make it home from work are you gonna right. make it if you've got the kid in the car that's are right. you guys gonna make your destination yep seven months can wear on your nerves <laughs> yeah yeah, and to be fair, uh, I guess in defense of the car, which I don't know why I'm defending it, but uh, the the bog the bogging issues and the 70 mile per hour under load issues, those were pretty recent, meaning they only kind of reared their head in early summer. However, the fact that they were becoming more present, that was kind of my indication of, you know, this probably isn't going to stick around much longer in a very reliable sense. Mm -hmm. So my wife finally felt the same way of this is now a bit uncomfortable. And we had kind of a decision point at, at that point too, because <clears throat> another great story, but uh, <laughs> the, because this issue was happening with these cars, 
and it's known to be a systemic issue, used car values for these things were dropping like rocks. I mean, absolutely plummeting. Because of what's going on with these. The engines are, are complete junk. And so I don't even know what it was. I I want to say it was close to $16,000 that we quote purchased it for with our, you know, with our trading credit of 13 or whatever it was for the Volt. Mm-hmm. So essentially a $16,000 purchase price over, oh, it hurts me to say this. So over that month period of from October to June, we lost effectively almost $10,000 worth of value oh. from this car. It was around 9000 Oh. <clears throat> yeah. So that's how quickly that issue reared its head and affected the used car resale values of these things. And um, <laughs> you're, kind of, you're kind of stuck because I really didn't want, and that was the trade-in value, by the way. I really didn't want to sell this private party because in good conscience, there's no way I can give this to somebody else telling them that this is going to be a good car. And so I'd rather just give it to a dealer. Maybe a dealer can keep it. I don't know, send it to an auction house. They can put it in inventory for a replacement engine or parts or something like that. Right. I really hope they don't sell it. But at that point, I guess it's up to the dealer. We just, we couldn't stomach it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between you not sleeping well at night and somebody else who can sleep well at night if they decide to sell something that isn't of the value that they deemed it as. I mean, the same boat with you. I would not yep. want to sell somebody something that I'm like, all right, look, here's your your $12,000 car, but you're going to need to put in an engine. <laughs> right. <laughs> in the next few months, you'll need an engine. Right. You're closing up shop with two dipsticks garage. Feel free to open up another one to see what them chance brothers are getting into next. Yeah.